Well, good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a vision for you big book study. My name is Janice M., and I'm a grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater. Today's Monday. It's May 8, 2017, and this is the 7 a.m. meeting. We are in Chapter 3, more about alcoholism, and we're going to be reading and discussing page 36, uh, and 37, the last paragraph on 36, and the two paragraphs on page 37. Today's readers are for our 1208 steps are, will be Anne Marie M., the 12 traditions, Tenzin P. Our readers for the text this morning will be Craig F., Lisa B., and Lisa H. Now, our share ID for Sunday which was yesterday, May 7, 2017, is 9913. 9913. The OA Preamble, Overeaters Anonymous, is a fellowship of individuals who, to shed experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members, and we are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors, and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose, OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose. That's to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a vision for you, big book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Anne-Marie M. to please read the 12 steps. Good morning, Janice and everyone. This is Anne-Marie M., a compulsive overeater in South Carolina. The 12 steps. We, were admitted, we admitted we were powerless over food that our life had been that our life had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over the care of God as we understood him. Four, making a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. I'm sorry. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked to remove our shortcomings. Eight, needless of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. Twelve, having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to, to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. 
Thank you. And thank you, Anne-Marie M. I will now ask Tenzin P. to please read the 12 Traditions. Thank you. Good morning, everyone. Tenzin P. here calling from New York. Uh, the 12 Traditions. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God, as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overreader who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, less problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contribution. Eight, overeaters anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, and film. Twelve, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all our traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personality. Thank you very much. And thank you, Tenzin P. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on directions for recovery described in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then we stop and share on what was read. Now, anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing, and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year, and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star one to unmute. Now, once you're done sharing, let us know by saying pass. Then press star one to mute your phone. And in order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speakers should be muted. Well, today we're going to resume our study in the big book and we're going to begin, the first read is going to begin on page 36, beginning with paragraph three. I will now ask Craig F. to please begin reading. I can hear you now. Great. This is Craig F., recovered in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Thus started one more journey to the asylum for Jim. Here was the threat of commitment, the loss of family and position, to say nothing of that intense mental and physical suffering which drinking always caused him. 
He had much knowledge about himself as an alcoholic, yet all reasons for not drinking were easily pushed aside in favor of the foolish idea that he could take whiskey if he only mixed it with milk. Whatever the precise definition of the word may be, we call this plain insanity. How can such a lack of proportion of the ability to think straight be called anything else? You may think this is an extreme case. To us, it is not far-fetched, for the kind of thinking has been characteristic of every single one of us. We have sometimes reflected more than Jim did upon the consequences, but there was always the curious mental phenomenon that parallel with our sound reasoning, there inevitably ran some insanely trivial, trivial excuse for taking the first drink. Our sound reasoning failed to hold us back. The insane idea won out. The next day, we would ask ourselves, in all earnestness and sincerity, how could it have happened? <clears throat> that is a pretty packed three paragraphs. There's a lot there, and I'll try to pick out a few of the nuggets that I relate to. Um, one of them, I, I was, uh, I didn't feel well all weekend. I, I had a ran a, a fever up and down to about 102, and then back down to nothing. I picked up some sort of virus, and and you know, I, I was sitting there yesterday thinking that in the past that that would be a good trivial trivial excuse to pick up soft and creamy food, you know, comfort myself, and uh, that I hadn't even uh, wasn't tempted by that. I wasn't. It, it, it wasn't uh, on the radar, and I, and the difference isn't that I've learned more about myself as a compulsive overeater, as much as it's that I have surrendered completely, that I have uh, accepted the power of God in my life to control the the, the food that I couldn't control, and uh, you know, uh, I, I think that just the knowledge that. That that would set off an allergic reaction um, would be. I would I would think you know in my brain that that would be enough, but it's not. You know, uh, I, I also uh, see that the uh, um, that they're talking about here how um, the uh, rational brain is no uh, is no uh, um, match for the emotional desire to eat that that unchecked and built up human emotion will always win out in, in our minds over the uh, uh, over the rational thinking um i also want to want to uh, hit on this idea that he had much they've italicized it so as we all know that that means it's pretty important he had much knowledge about himself as an alcoholic Yet all reasons for not drinking were easily pushed aside. Um, you know, I, I thought for a long time that that's what I needed was to understand why I ate, to understand um, what it was that drove me to eat, eat. If I could just understand it, then I could fix it. You know, like if I can understand what's wrong with your car, I can change the right part out. I can turn the right screw. I can adjust the right lever, and your car will run fine. Um but the fact of the matter is that that, that diagnosis, that self-diagnosis, that the knowledge about myself as a compulsive overeater, never uh, it, it never stopped me from eating. And, and maybe if I had been 
a great psychologist and, and been trained, and maybe I don't think so. I, I think that uh, I've known too many people that uh, in this program that had that great knowledge of the workings of everybody's mind that still couldn't control their own food. And and uh, you know, the the program lays it out pretty pretty simply that uh, that what what's required is the reduction of the ego through working the steps, the acceptance of a power greater than myself, the, the the inventory and the amends, and the spiritual experience that comes from that, and then living in that in that maintenance of that spiritual condition, the, avoiding the buildup of human emotion, and then enlarging my spiritual life through working with others. And that is my only insulation. It has nothing to do with... Uh, uh, understanding uh, and figuring it out. Uh, and with that, I'll pass. Thank you. And thank you so much, Craig F. Okay, we're going to open it up for comments on the uh, pages 36 and 37, paragraph 3, and continuing Melissa. with two more paragraphs. Melissa? Nessa ne- R. Lisa B. Nessa R. Dot M. Monica T. Letter T. You can go Lisa on B. and on. And, 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 uh, just uh, hold on. Madam. Hold on. I heard Nessa R. I'll tell you who I heard. <clears throat> I heard Nessa R. I heard Matt M. I heard Monica T. And um, who else? Larry. Nancy H. Larry K. And Tina S. Lisa B. And let's take Tina S. and we'll wait for the next group. Okay. Nessa, uh, please. Hi. Did you call on me, Nessa R.? I did. Oh, great. I was muted and so I, I didn't hear um, you call my name. Um, so this is Nessa R., and I am a recovered compulsive overeater in Toronto, Canada. And I love this story. I love this story because it just... Because it just shows that uh, there's somebody unmuted. There's a, a male voice in the background. Um, um, it shows me that I make the decision to pick up the food long before I make the actual decision to pick up the food. And there's a there's an analogy that I love that I don't step out of my front door and find myself lost in a jungle in the middle of uh, wild animals. You know. Um, what happens is I step out of my front door and I get on my way and I deviate just a tiny little bit, but I'm still okay. And I continue on and I, don't, and I deviate from my, from, my, from my path another little bit and I'm still okay. And I continue deviating and I'm still okay. And I continue on and on and on like that, deviating until finally I find myself um, in the middle of a jungle, lost, surrounded by wild animals. And it's the same thing with program. You know, I may be recovered, but I can, I, I can decide today, well, you know what, my nose is out of joint, but I'm not going to do the step 10 right now. You know, I can do it later, and I'm still okay. And I don't do the step 10 at all, but then I'm still okay. And then I decide I'm not going to do my prayer meditation. I'm too tired. I'll do it in the morning, and I'm still okay. And I continue on and on letting go um, of the, the, spiritual, the spiritual program of action, resting on my laurels until eventually I find myself in the food 
um, you know, wondering how could this happen? How could this happen? You know, because the last thing to go is the food. And this is a program of action that I cannot let go of, you know, not even for a minute because it's a really proverbial slippery slope, you know. My mind and my mental obsession, my disease will convince me that it's okay just, just this once to not do my step 10 or just this once to skip my meeting or just this once to do this or just this once to, do, to not do that until I'm convinced that just this once it's okay to have a sliver of cheesecake. And it will seem perfectly normal because after all, haven't I been okay with all these little deviations. So one little deviation more won't hurt me at all until I find myself knee-deep in cheesecake um, saying, how, can I, how could I do this again? How could I do this again? So, you know, when I grab on to this lifeline, I have to stay on it, you know, holding on to it for dear life, you know, every single day for the rest of my life because my disease doesn't go away. I am recovered, but I am not cured. And it's all contingent upon my maintenance of my fit spiritual condition. And um, with that, I pass. Thank you. And thank you, Nessa R. Okay, it's your turn, Madam. Thank you for your service, Janice. Good morning, everyone. This is Madame Capone, Laura Eater, over here in New Jersey. Uh, but there was always a curious mental phenomenon that parallel with our sound reasoning. There inevitably ran some trivial excuse, and same trivial excuse for taking the first drink. Yeah, this this goes with me. Like, you know, I just lost a really close relationship recently, and I ate over it twice. And I'm like thinking to myself, that did not make me feel better. All it did was give me sugar withdrawal that I'm coming off now. And I realized that, you know, it does the insane idea, it does what out. I'm going to feel better if I have a little bit of this or have this piece of candy or have this drink. And it never makes me feel any better. In fact, it makes me sick to my stomach a lot of the times so where I feel like I'm lethargic, like I can't move the next day, like I'm actually drunk from a hangover. That's exactly what I was, you know. Um, next day I asked myself in all earnestness and sincerity, how could that have happened? Nothing is worth me eating over, no matter what, right? I mean, whether it's an illness, losing a relationship, losing my place to stay, losing money that I, that I shouldn't have spent. It, none of the stuff is worth eating over because it just perpetuates a cycle of a downward spiral, like circling the drain. And I'm, I'm worth more than that. And uh, for me, my story is definitely unique to me. And I eventually I hope that I can share it someday because I know that uh, what I have to offer is something that's unique, just like anybody else has something to offer. And I'm just another bozo on the bus, but I do have the ability to help others. But first, I have to help myself first to get recovered so I can work through the steps and get myself the spiritual awakening that I know I'm, I'm destined for, that I know I deserve. And I'm just grateful that I don't have to eat today over it. I don't have to eat over anything today to stick to whatever I have planned for the day for myself and go through the motions to do the next right thing for myself. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you. <laughs> and thank you, Matt M. Well, good morning to you, Monica T. Good morning, Janice. Good morning, everyone. My name is Monica T, and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater in Florida. Okay, so we're in the chapter more about alcoholism here, and the big book is trying to show us all the different crazy, insane, delusional, illusional type of thinking, ways of thinking that we have as compulsive overeaters. So here we're talking about Jim, and he had that suddenly, that little thought came in in his head that if his belly was full of food and he mixed it with milk, alcohol wouldn't hurt him. Now, whatever the precise definition of the word may be, we call this plain insanity. 
How can such a lack of proportion of the ability to think straight be called anything else? So here the big book is giving me a definition for this insanity, this mental obsession. And, it, you know, it's, it's an inability to think straight. I do not think straight when it comes to food, period. This doesn't mean I'm a mental ding-dong or whatever here. Oh, my God, was that a flip or what? <laughs> anyway, an inability to think straight, you know? I just don't have the ability to think straight when it comes to this. This is part of my powerlessness over my disease. We're talking about the powerlessness here. We're in step one. I am totally 100% powerless over this inability of my brain to think straight when it comes to food. And it has all kinds of nice little lies and delusions and illusions that it will tell me. And I think they're true every time. And the other thing is that I don't have any memory of the consequences or of the resolutions that I have just made when it comes to not eating. Now, there's a curious mental phenomena that parallel with our sound reasoning. There inevitably ran some insanely trivial excuse for taking the first drink. You know, my brain comes up with this little lie. It's okay, Monica. You've been good for 90 days. You've been absent all this time. You've done all the steps. Oh, blah, 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 blah. You know, you're all these crazy ideas. It'll be okay. Your, your tummy is full, whatever it is. And I think that's just the best idea I've had in a long time because I don't have a memory of the consequences or the resolution that I made that I wasn't going to do that today. The insane idea won out. So I am totally 100% powerless over this inability to think straight when it comes to food. And I need a power greater than me. And doing these steps is what got me that power, that relationship with that power. And he removes, it removes, whatever. Higher power removes this obsession from my brain. doesn't make any difference how much I knew it wasn't, didn't work against it. And with that, I pass. And with that, thank you very much, Monica T. Good morning to you, Larry Kay. It's your turn. Good morning, Janice. Good morning. Larry Kay, Recovered Compulsive Reader from Chicago. Um, you know, I I went to school to become a psychologist. Um, and I mentioned that because one of the things for me is that my life was so problematic and I came from a life of abuse and neglect and different things which resulted in lots of different issues much later on for me. And and I thought, you know, in the eating and the food and the noose around my neck with this disease, I, I learned an awful lot about anxiety, about depression, I wrote a dissertation on anxiety. I, I also dealt with anxiety. So obviously there was some you know, some, some of my own issues there. So not only did I, did I learn a lot about the synthetic knowledge about those conditions, but I also had experiential knowledge. And boy, I'll tell you what, that self-knowledge, it was, it was really, really amazing to gain all that self-knowledge about to explain to myself why. The thing about this disease is what it says here is it says, you know, he, we got this guy, Jim, and uh, he had much knowledge about himself as an alcoholic. Yet all the reasons for drinking were, not, were easily pushed aside and full of that 
in in uh, in favor rather of that foolish idea that he could take whiskey if only he mixed it with milk. See, here here's the thing that I that I know today about this disease. Whatever knowledge you have about yourself, about your disease, it's not enough, and it will never be enough. And the lie that this disease will tell you is that more knowledge, the right knowledge, the correct knowledge will then lead you to take the correct uh, action. It is counterintuitive to believe that you are powerless. That's why many of us will, we will dig our grave with a spoon, a knife, and a fork because we will continue to search for more knowledge in the hopes that it will lead us towards the right action, the correct action. And I can tell you, if you're a compulsive reader like me, if you have this alcoholic mind, if you have this allergy of the body and the insidious uh, alcoholic mind, no amount of self-knowledge, you are screwed. You are hopeless, and there is nothing you can do. No amount of knowledge will lead you to the correct action because this mental twist will always win out. And the sooner you get, the more disturbed you can get about yourself, the better. That's why I, I will absolutely, it's a compassionate thing for me to do to, to help people to get to that level as a, as a sponsor. Even if they have to leave me or I have to leave them, better all to the good if they become disturbed. Because otherwise you will die of this disease. It will kill you. But through these steps, we can have a spiritual transformation and we'll change that. With that, I'll pass. Thanks. And thank you so much, Larry Kay. Okay, Tina S., it's your turn. Tina S., star one. Thanks, Janice. Uh, Tina S., Recovered Compulsive Eater, Anorexic in Florida. Thanks so much for your service. Uh, some really good things this morning. Grateful to be on the line. You know, for uh, what I like about this is for all of John, all of John, all of Jim's efforts, you know, thus started one more journey to the asylum. That was certainly my experience over the years of, uh, you know, really practicing my uh, food addiction, eating stuff. And, uh, you know, and it says, you know, this is called do- plain insanity. All his thinking is plain insanity. And, you know, and I love the definition of insanity in Webster's, but I also love the definition that I hear over the, in the rooms is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting a different result because that is certainly what I did for many, many years. And, uh, you know, and I, I know today that if I do the same thing, I'm going to get the same thing. You know, I remember a sponsor telling me, Tina, you just got to do something different. It really doesn't matter what it is, just something different. And that, that, thus I start some kind of recovery there. And, um, you, know, and, and it all, you know, and I love it, and it's just been shared, I think, by everybody. You know, and it talks about it in the book. Self-knowledge is good as far as it went, but it didn't go far enough. You know, and it didn't go far enough, and that's certainly my experience. And, you know, and, 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 you know this is all step one stuff, and it says, you know, that we it tells me in the big book that there is no mental defense. You know, I have no mental defense. And that defense must, must come from a power greater than myself. You know, and then, you know, through the rest of, you know, the, the 164 pages, we, we see where the solution is. And to, to practice it, I have an opportunity today, one day at a time. That was said today, too, also. You know, I've got to do this thing one day at a time every day if I want the result that I'm getting today, and I certainly do. I'm living a good life today, you know, and I also know that, you know, I'm not only thinking about Tina today, and that just amazes me every day, you know, and, um, you know, it's great stuff, and I don't want to ramble. So with that, I'll pass. Thanks. 
thank you, Tina S. Okay, we're ready to move on. Uh, continuing comments on page 36 and 37. Who would like Melissa to be next? Melissa C. Reva Reva P. Charles H. Charles H. Asa O. Lisa B. And Lisa B. Barbara E. Barbara E. Okay, let's go with those, please. Okay, Melissa C. Please go ahead. Hi, good morning, Janet. Good morning, everyone. It's Melissa C. Recovered, compulsive overeater in New York. And, um, you know, I, I I definitely have this form of insanity. You know, I'm, I'm an intelligent person. I have a lot of knowledge about this disease. Um, and I understand cause and effect. You know, I can see that if I do one thing, it affects another, you know, another result to happen. And, you know, like I drive to work every day and I know there's a certain area I better not speed in because there's a police car that's always hiding for like the last many, many years of this commute. And I know his spot. And I've never actually been pulled over by him. I've actually been able to learn from seeing other people's consequences. You know, and yet I cannot apply the same intelligence and reasoning with food. I was unable, certainly could never learn from anyone else's experience, but I couldn't learn from mine. And so the smallest excuse um, easily cast aside everything I knew about um, where the food would lead me. And, and I would, again, pick up. And, you know, um, and I think what's, for me, a little more tricky with, with the food and eating, or has been in the past, is that I thought I could kind of get away um, with it because sometimes the results weren't immediate. You know, sometimes the, the, the cause and the effect, you could get away with it for a little bit. You know, I thought so. Um, but, you know, as my disease progressed, forget the weight. Um, my insanity, you know, was my my thinking became crazy, you know, within a, a couple of bites. It wasn't like I could get away with it anymore. And, um, you know, and I love how it really is defined. This is insanity. You know, when when someone shared um, that, that I have a form of mental illness, um, first time I heard that, I, I bristled against that. I'm not mentally ill. I'm just fat. You know, but this is insanity, and it is mental illness, and um, the only cure is a spiritual solution. And um, thank you. With that, I'll pass. Um, I assume you passed. I was unmuting. Okay, thank you, Melissa C. All right, Reva P., it's your turn, please. Good morning. It's Reva P., Grateful, Recovered, Compulsive Overeater, these paragraphs um, remind me um, why being abstinent only and addressing only the physical allergy will not work for a real compulsive overeater like me. Um, and I thought before I came into this program that food was the problem and if I could just get the food under control, life would be great. But the, these paragraphs remind me that food is the solution. Um, and it does something for me that it doesn't do for other people, 
and I have this twofold disease that goes way beyond a physical allergy. And that when I'm abstinent only, when I'm not binging, when I'm following the food plan diligently, if I don't address my thinking, I will have this insanity and go right back to what Jim is doing. And I love how it says um, the inability to think straight. You know, I didn't know this until I started working the steps, but I have an inability to think straight about life about people, about situations. My thinking is 180 degrees twisted and backwards. It's all about blame. It's all about everybody else's fault. If only they would behave, life would be great. And I don't get to that. And I don't have the power to get rid of, fix this mental twisted thinking. That's why it's explaining to me Um, This is what I do. Every single one of us, always, 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 100% of the time, this is what happens to somebody like me. And this tells me that there's this urgency to work the steps because it's only by working the steps that some power, whatever I want to call it, that's bigger than me, can drive that crazy thinking about people, places, things, life. Food is the last crazy thought, usually, um, and then um, I'm, ne- I'm neutral around food, and I live sane with life. Um, and uh, with that, I pass. And thank you so much, Reva P. Well, good morning to you, Charles H. Good morning, Janice. Thank you for your service, Charles H., a recovered compulsive overeater. This thing right here, when he, when, you know, um, Last week, the later part of last week, we were we were learning about, you know, Jim loved his family. He made a beginning. This disease don't care about love and who you love and and what you're trying to do and and and, and how you lost your job and you went back to work for the same company and you came back to work too. This disease don't care about that. And, and what's coming to mind to me today is, like others have said, uh, the, the second step is coming up for me. Like, you know, if if I don't think that I, 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 if I don't think that I'm, I'm not, if I don't think that I'm insane, then why am I going to do the work? Like, you know, how the big book is full of questions. Every couple of pages in more about alcohol is more questions. Like, you know, the insane idea is always going to run up. It's always going to win, right? Like, food is just a symptom. And weight is 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 a a manifestation of that symptom, right? So, like Jim, you know, I can't believe they said he took a third step because the third step is is is, is going on with the rest of the steps. This guy was on a diet every once in a while, and he wondered why. You know what I mean? I mean, he loved his family. I love my family too, but I I don't get I don't get a um I'm not on cruise control with this disease. This disease wants me dead, man. You know, funerals are happening every single day with people that think they got it and you all that. You ain't all that, Charles. You got to do this thing every day. Everybody started day one every single day. You don't turn your food over, watch what happened. You stop doing them 10 steps, watch what happened. You're going to be baffled like Jim, baffled like Fred, baffled like the jaywalker, the drinker under 30, all that. You're going to be like, damn, I wish. I'm, I'm not going there no more. I identify with Jim. I love you, Jim. Thank you for your 
your example. And uh, I'm not trying to make, I, I know I'm insane. I'm not normal. And I need to get this medicine every single day. Thank you. And thank you so much, Charles H. Okay, Vasa, oh, it's your turn. Thank you. Good morning, everyone. Thank you, Janice M., for your service. And I'm grateful, recovered, compulsive reader calling from Foxborough, Massachusetts. And uh, I can relate with all this here. And with Jim, it's by the grace of God, though, that I hadn't lost everything yet. But if I didn't come in the program, and I probably would have lost a lot, you know, probably a divorce. I'd probably be very sick woman today. I could be even dead today. Who knows? But anyways, I did not understand the insanity of the disease and the fold, the twofold disease, the physical and the mental obsession uh, with the, and the, the, the mind. I didn't understand. I, I you know, I'm saying I'm very functional in so many other areas. If I can just put the food down, then my life is just going to be perfect. And that's all I only saw saw the problem and uh and I thank God that i I did stay. I listened because at at the beginning, I was saying, "I'm just gonna lose this weight, and I'm just gonna go home you know i'm gonna you know and anyways, I didn't understand why all those people that were thin lost the weight, why they were still hanging around the program, you know, but anyways, I'm so grateful I stayed and listened, and listened, and listened, and um, I read all kinds of books, and I could be a nutritionist today. I could have made a lot of money. I knew what was healthy, what not was healthy, but I could never stick with it. So I, and I did read a lot of books on, on abuse, and neglect, and coming from dysfunctional homes, because I didn't want my home to be like that. I wanted to have a better home for my children, and myself, but anyways, I mean that was valuable. I'm glad I read those books. I got some knowledge in that area too. But uh, self knowledge was it was not again when it came to the food. Forget it. I did everything I could. Like I'm I mixed like what Jim talks. They talk about here mixing whiskey with water or milk, whatever. I used to bake. I cut half of the sugar, and I cut half of the fat. So what's the use if I was going to eat half of whatever I baked or cooked, you know? It didn't matter. There was still a lot of calories in there. So um, I needed to surrender to this program, and I needed to surrender to a higher power greater than myself, and that's what I've been doing. My life is better in every area today, I would. The food doesn't even call me. Hasn't called me in years and years. It is by the grace of God, and my life is better in every area. Thank you. I'll wrap it up with relationships, with work, and everything. I have a balance today. Thank you, and I pass. And thank you, Vasa. Oh, okay, Lisa B. It's your turn. Good morning. This is Lisa B. Janice. Thank you for your service. I'm a grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater in Greenville, South Carolina, and I really feel um, just so led to share on this reading. This book describes me so well, and it helps me 
see that I am not unique. Um, the author of this book, Bill, um, you know, he, he knows us so well. And even in Bill's story, you know, he says that, um, that understanding myself now, I fared forth in high hope. You know, and he believed that, oh, this is the answer, self-knowledge. And I've done that. Oh, my gosh, I've done that so many times. And, you know, so what worked for me was getting entirely abstinent, getting a recovered sponsor that I met on this line. Um, But, you know, I needed to go through the steps quickly because I am in a race against time. The greater aspect of my disease is the mental aspect, and it talks in my voice. And the other thing that this reading... um, made me think about is that um, the lack of proportion. See, what my disease is, is it's very subtle, it's very hidden, and it's patient, but it minimizes everything and it also exaggerates everything. So now, as a recovered person, um, I need to be aware of that. And that's why in the 10th step, it tells me that the key words in the 10th step are continue, immediately, and turn. And I need to do those things. So when I'm preparing my food, if suddenly I'm thinking, oh, I want a bigger portion, or no, I want to restrict my food and I want to skip this, I need to continue to watch for that. I need to immediately share this with another recovered fellow in a 10-step. What's going on with me? And then turn my attention to someone that I can help. And that's the way I need to live my life every day because my mind is where my disease lives. That's where my, my disease resides. And it's in my voice. It's subtle or it's exaggerating. It's one or the other. And I need to live in that or I will pick up the food. Um, but it's like I heard shared this morning, the food is the last thing to go. And then, you know, the other thing is there's so much hope in these steps. The steps are the only solution for me, but I need to do them quickly Um, so I don't just linger on. And one of our co-fellows has shared that putting a Band-Aid, you know, just relying on abstinence only is like a Band-Aid on a very horrible, devastating wound. And then in doctor's opinion, you know, he says that suddenly this person finds himself easily able to control his desire for alcohol, the only effort necessary, being that he required to follow a few simple rules. And I just don't want to take my time going through the steps. You know, I need to do it quickly, all the while being entirely absent, because that's the hope, that's the solution for me, to have that transformation and then to continue to live in these steps with the same desperation of a dying person living in steps 10, 11, and 12. And I pass. Thank you. And thank you so much, Lisa B. Barbara E., it's your turn. Thank you so much. This is Barbara E. in New Jersey. Self-knowledge availed me nothing. Seemed crazy that this man would mix milk and alcohol and think he could get away with it. And yet, I've substituted sugar-free candy for real candy. Then I went to cough drops. I convinced myself that a lemon was not a real fruit, so I would eat the entire lemon. Trivial excuses, insane thinking, the mental phenomena that causes me to pick it up again, that urge which leads me to continue to overeat. All reasons, crazy reasons. How could I have done that again and again? Empirical knowledge availed me nothing. 
I knew I had to have a spiritual experience. That knowledge did not come easily to me. I am 20 years abstinent, but abstinence is not enough for me. The promises on page 87 are finally, after 20 years, coming true for me. The new freedom, not regretting the past or forgetting the past, and achieving serenity more often than not, and sharing my personal honesty uh, and experiences with others. All these things I must do to help me remove my selfish, self-seeking nature and replace it with the desire to give to others. My fear will lessen, and intuitively I'll know what to do in a situation. Whether I do it or not, well, I'm imperfect, that's for sure. But things that used to befuddle me will be clarified for me today. I want to continue, as someone just said, continue and turn around when I have stinking thinking. And I love that thing about relying on abstinence alone and thinking a Band-Aid put on a serious life-threatening wound would be sufficient. I have to continue to do this and realize that self-knowledge, again, is nothing without acceptance that there is a higher power for me that can help me today. I pass. And thank you, Barbara E. Okay, we have time for a few more. Who would like to be next? Dorita P. Dorita P. Dorita P. Next. Elizabeth M. Sydney J. Amy Sydney J. And Amy, what is the last two initials? M.C. Okay, let's try those three for now. Dorita P., it's your turn. Thank you, Janice. Thank you so much for your service. My name is Dorita P. P. from Cleveland, and I'm really grateful to be here. I'm a little nervous. You know, I'm always nervous sharing on this line with all these recovered people. My name is Dorita Pippen, and I am a recovered compulsive overeater, and I'm uh, really grateful to be here. Uh, it's funny, you know, Janice trying to get all the names. It, it, it's funny, you know, at my face-to-face meetings, you know, you, you had trouble even getting people to read the 12 steps and hear people fight to share. Um, I'm a, I'm just like Jim, uh, or he's just like me, or if he's anything like me, you know, um, you know, the thought of putting uh, whiskey and milk uh, wasn't um, – wasn't the beginning. The beginning was, um, for me, um, you know, going five, five to seven days, uh, without calling my sponsor, um, you know, instead of going, uh, uh, three or four or five meetings a week, maybe I've only gone to two meetings or one meeting in a week. Um, you know, uh, not reading a big book, you know, all these things, um, you know, and, I'm just really grateful that I know that and that I know that there is a formula to it. It's definitely a formula to it. You know, each time that I relapsed, um, you know, I wasn't following the formula. Um, You know, I was with a boyfriend years and years ago, and he was an alcoholic. He was a practicing alcoholic. And, you know, he's drinking his beer around me, getting drunk and all this stuff around me. 
And, you know, I'm going to meetings trying to do the right thing and, you know, abstaining. And, you know, just one trivial excuse. I don't know. Maybe he made me mad. I don't know. I don't even remember. But, you know, the thought crossed my mind, you know, it would be a real good idea if I ordered a pizza tonight. Um, and I ordered a pizza, and I thought maybe I could eat one or two slices. I ended up eating, you know, the pizza in a day or two. I don't remember, but, um, you know, I ate that pizza. And then again, um, again, um, on uh, on um, Halloween, you know, I know I'm allergic to uh, sugar and, you know, the self-knowledge. I knew that. But, uh, well, I know, you know, bags and bags of candy uh, will hurt me. You know, the one-pound uh, thing of uh, Hershey, uh, Hershey bar, I know that would hurt me. But one little, they call it fun size. I don't know what's so fun about it or snack size. Uh, of um, of um, snack size of a chocolate bar, you know, one little one wouldn't hurt me. You know, that one little one turned into three big bags of Halloween candy. So I'm just really grateful for this program. I'm I'm grateful to be on the line and grateful for all of you. And thank you, Leah, for so much for your dedication. I really appreciate you. And with that, I'll pass. Okay. Thank you, Dorita P. Okay, let's hear Sydney J. Hi, Sydney Jake, Pulsive Overeater. Um, thanks, everyone, for their service today and uh, for the shares around uh, the phone line. Uh, yeah, I just read this with uh, the gentleman who is, uh, you know, willing to uh, sit down and read the book with me. And it was a reminder um, of uh, that no matter how, how many days I know two plus two equals four, uh, when it comes to understanding uh, – my food, uh, you know, it always uh, wins. You know, it's the Mike Tyson um, type. You know, it always just knocks me out no matter how many times I try to get back in the ring with it. And so um, when I'm, I'm coming, I'm hoping with uh, a little bit more humility, this time understanding that I just don't know anything. You know, when I, when I first started recovery, I really came in what they, what, what they told me I was numb and dumb. And, like, I'm really trying to just act as if I'm that uh, every day. You know, um, I tried to, um, you know, I woke up in a, in a head space that uh, uh, was, uh, you know, a little unsettled. And I'm like, why am, I, why am I trying to get out of myself at, you know, 5 o'clock in the morning? And it was because I had this conversation with someone that really was a little unsettling with me. My ego's been bruised. And so, um, you know, uh, as someone shared earlier, they, they need to write about it and then, you know, go out and try and help someone else. So, um, you know, that's why I love this line because, you know, you do get some solutions to what needs to happen. And, and hopefully, um, you know, I can take that action. Um, so with that, I'll pass. And thank you, Sydney J. Okay, we have Amy M C. Is it or M E? Amy. M- yep, M C. Got it. Thank you, thank you, Janice. Hi, I'm Amy M C. Uh, compulsive overeater from Massachusetts. Uh, and thank you to everyone who shared and Janice for your service. Um, and reading this this morning, you know, all I can say is thank God for Jim. Thank God for sharing his story. You know. 
this is how I'm getting through life, with people sharing what happened to them and making that connection as to how I'm similar and what I've done with the food. Um, you know, here, yes, it's alcohol, and yes, he thought of mixing whiskey with milk. And uh, what a disgusting thing. My first reaction is always, ew, that's gross, <laughs> right? But hello, reality check. What have I done with the food? Ew, that's gross, you know? I've tried every substitution possible. I've, uh, you know, as people have been sharing, whether it's uh, trying the portion control and trying a fun size item, um, rather than the full candy bar item, um, it didn't work for me, whether it was the sugar-free or the cough drop. I mean, ditto, ditto, ditto all around. I can so relate and connect to that. And uh, being on this line and hearing people sharing, it's just such, a, it's such an honest thing and an open an open mind, you know, I have to have an open mind when I'm when I'm calling in and listening and saying, Okay God, what are you gonna what are you gonna open my eyes to today with everybody's share on this line and how how I can connect to it. And uh, going back to the text, that curious mental phenomenon, that parallel um, with our sound reasoning, there inevitably ran some insanity. Uh, trivial excuse for taking uh, the first drink. And God, that is so me, and that was so me, you know. I'm abstinent today. I'm working the steps. I'm reading with um, someone from the meeting uh, in the big book. And it's just making a world of difference. Is life perfect? No. Are character defects coming up? Yes. You know, am I talking about them? Yes. You know, um, and that's what this program's about. It's about living. It's about living without going towards the food. And with that, I'll pass. And thank you, Amy MC. Okay, according to my watch, we have a couple of minutes. Who would like to take that? Two minutes. Elizabeth M. Elizabeth M., please go ahead. Oh, good. Thank you. Hi, Janice. Thank you for your service. This is Elizabeth M., a recovered uh, compulsive overeater in New Hampshire. And I love this chapter. I think it's a power-packed chapter and certainly a power-packed paragraph because it tells us, Bill just takes us deeper into what's wrong with my mind, our mind, anyone who's an addict. And what I see real quickly in this paragraph, um, what really stood out for me, well, two things. Um, first of all, this idea of suddenly, which is the paragraph before, that if I can work the steps and live in 10, 11, and 12, I am then protected from the suddenly, the vague senses, the vague thoughts that cross my mind. There's a, God gives me a real protection. But if not, and I wasn't for so many years, I was doing exactly what Jim was doing. I would have these foolish ideas, and what would happen is, my mind would be filled with delusions and illusions and, of course, the obsession, which, which for me contains those two things. So what's a delusion? A delusion is a misperception of something inside of me. It's a thought. It's a, it's a total misperception, whereas an illusion is something, it's a mirage outside of me. So my delusional thinking would tell me, no matter what my history would tell me, that once that obsession or that mental twist hit, I would have these foolish crazy ideas and I didn't know that I didn't know I didn't know that all of my experience thoughts knowledge training whatever 
went out the window as soon as that mental twist or mental obsession hit. It wasn't a plain thought. Now, as a recovered person, I get plain thoughts about eating. I'll think, oh, that looks good, or oh, gee, wish I could have that. But it's just a plain thought. It's not an obsession. And I can remember why I'm not going to, and then God looks at it. No time. So with that, I'll pass. Thank you so much. <laughs> okay. I have to watch the time. I'll get, I'll get tired. Okay. Thank you. Thank you to everyone who has shared. Um, today's share ID. Today is Monday, May 8th, 2017. For the 7 a.m. meeting is 9915. So please join us for a second unrecorded hour of study immediately following closing. We will now close with the reading from the Big Book on page 164, followed by the Serenity Prayer. Will Lisa B., please read A Vision for You. Our book is meant to be suggestive only, and keep you until then. Good morning. This is Lisa B., a grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater in Greenville, South Carolina. Our book is meant to be suggestive only, We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great things and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.